0: Welcome to Creatives Grab Coffee, the podcast on the business of video production.
1: Creative Grab Coffee is hosted by Daria Nuri and Kirill Lazarov from Labs Productions. Our goal is to share knowledge and experiences from video production professionals around the world. Whether you're a freelancer looking to start your own business or a seasoned business owner
0: aiming to scale your company, this is the show for you. Join us as we develop a community of like-minded creatives looking to learn and help each other grow. Welcome to the business of video production. Welcome to Creative Scrap Coffee. Before we get started with the show, let's go over today's sponsors. Do you have a shoot in Toronto? Do you need crew or a strong production partner to help you with your project? Laps Productions is one of the top production companies in Toronto and your go-to video
1: partner. With our strong creative skills and extensive network, we can help you achieve your goal. Laps Productions is able to offer you production services, white label services, or finder fees for project handoffs. Reach out to us on our website at
0: lapsproductions.com to learn more.
2: My name is Mehran, welcome to Canada Film Equipment. We are a boutique rental house based in Toronto. We are here to help you guys out with all production sizes. Feel free to contact us to get a quote if you are a production house and you're looking for lighting, camera packages, or lighting and group band packages. You can see our contact information in the link below We're more than happy to help you guys out. Make sure you follow and subscribe to creativescrapcoffee.com. Thank you.
3: Hey, what's up everybody? I'm Matt. Welcome to Audio Process. We are a boutique audio company doing location sound, sound design, post sound, ADR, Foley. We service equipment. We do all your audio needs here in Toronto. We got you covered. Come on down. AudioProcess.ca. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and all of the other internet things to creativesgrabcoffee.com. They'll be waiting for you. I'll be waiting for you. And we're all going to have a real good time.
0: And now, let's begin the show. Guys, welcome finally to season four or the 2024 year of Creatives Grab Coffee. We're going to be kicking it off a little bit differently this year with a few different kinds of content. Like, for example, today's episode is going to be a little bit more focused on a certain topic rather than just, you know, having like a general discussion, seeing where it goes. You know, we've been skating by on that approach with our episodes for the last three, four years. So we figured it's time to bring a little bit of structure to the podcast. But before we begin, I also want to announce that we finally have a coffee sponsor <laughs> for CreativesGov Coffee, and uh, I gotta say these guys are really great. So uh, give Detour Coffee um, a shout, check them out, and if you get a chance to try them out, go for it. Do we have any? Uh, do we have any coupons yet, or anything like that, or Soon. discount codes? Soon we will be Soon. getting
1: some coupons.
0: Yeah. So it's more so in the works, but we wanted to give a, a quick shout out to Detour because they've been they've been great. They sent us some really, really good samples that I'm um, which which one did you uh, try, Dario again? Oh, it's in uh, <laughs> it's
1: in my kitchen. I don't know. If, I don't know what off by heart.
0: <laughs> the, the one I got was uh, Punch Buggy, the, the Punch Buggy uh, coffee. This one is really good.
1: There's there's three in total that they sent. Uh, I don't know if we should just, I should just run over
0: and see and then come back. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. Like we'll, we'll have more samples to show in the future, but uh, again, this was just a little quick shout out. Once we actually have the full sponsorship uh, in place, we'll go a little bit more in depth with some of the other flavors that they have. But yeah, that's uh, just a little teaser. But anyway, so today, Dario, what are we going to be talking about today? Okay. So today's
1: topic-based episode is on seven tips. Uh, to include in your video production contracts. Yeah, and there's also a bonus are, one at the end of it.
0: A, a potential bonus one as well. And the reason we figured this would be a good one to kind of start off with is with any with any uh, business with uh, service offerings, you want to have a good baseline. And contracts are the perfect place to start. You know, when you're starting off, you want to make sure that your client and y- and you are both on the same page of what to expect from each other. And we have found that these seven specific tips are, should be more commonly placed in contracts and not always are. So Dario, do you wanna take it away with what the first tip is?
1: Yeah, so the first one's very straightforward. It's just about having a very detailed surface description. Um, So for example, what I include in ours is always like, elements that are in your proposal, pretty much so um the exact needs of what the client wants for the project where you're going to offer the timeline and uh, like the project costs um the revision process things of that nature like you, you i try to be as detailed as i can in that section of the the contract so again i literally just copy over stuff that is in the proposal document and uh try to incorporate like a you don't have to overdo it, but just essentially just copy over most of the information that you guys were discussing. Because again, once uh if for some reason you guys ever get into like any any disputes? Disputes or like, you know, bumps on the road about what what you guys like were meant to offer and what they received and everything, you can always just refer back to the contract and say, Hey, you guys came to us for for this and this is what we said we were gonna do. These were the dates and there it is.
0: The biggest the biggest reason also is because scopes change sometimes and that is fairly common in our industry. Like for example, when you guys might agree on one thing that you need, like say initially you realize you you, you need only one video deliverable, but then as you go throughout the project, the client realizes, oh, we actually need two or three deliverables to actually make this effective, right? And because you've already determined in, in the initial scope that it was just one, they will assume and understand that more deliverables will cost more. If you don't, for example, include what I guess this is more so like a deliverables thing, which isn't one of the next tips, but yeah, this yeah. this example kind of fits here as well. Whereas, like if because if the scope changes and you haven't defined the scope in the beginning, there could always be that gray area where it's like, oh, we we assume that this was part of the original, right? So this just essentially make sure that everyone knows what to expect from each other at this point
1: to add in to that to what you were saying you you could make adme- amendments to the contract mm-hmm. if like what they require is greater than what you guys agreed upon you just yeah. have to add it to the appendix there's always there should always be like an appendix a in your contract and um you just need to you them just, you just need to add it in and then just get them to sign
0: off on it that's a key yeah, part. There's a little that. bonus, bonus tip for you guys. Keep an appendix A <laughs> for amendments.
1: Yeah, because what we used to do in the past with this section, it was it was that it was very basic. Like it would be like, uh, we are creating, you know, Laps Labs Productions is creating a promotional video for blank, and we might just put like the final due date, and that's it. It was like almost like a sentence or two. But over the years, we just decided to cover our behinds a little bit more and uh, put as much detail as we can. So again, even putting like reference videos, we include that in Um, all the dates for all the stages of the production are included in there. timelines and uh, yeah, timelines. And I, I basically copy over like the invoice in a way as well. And I put it in there under like project costs, like it's literally just the invoice copied over into there <laughs> yeah
0: it's basically just putting all the necessary information and everything in there and basically with the invoice that's going to be part of the, the next one of the next tips as well so the second tip is uh, a transpa- transparent transparent keeping the second tip is having transparent payment terms it's a little <laughs> bit of a mouth a little bit of a mouthful for for some reason for me but uh, yeah, yeah do you want to kind of go over a little bit about what that entails
1: yeah so for this part what we used to have in the past is just again one line saying we are owed this much plus plus hst so subtotal plus hst uh and then now what we do is we put like it 'cause because our invoicing how it works is that it's more or less it's a pretty much three invoices that we send the client um you know it'll either be uh deposit plus most of the project cost plus the final remaining amounts or it'll be like a project management fee and pre-production plus and then the second one will be the production invoice and the third one will be post-production invoice. Uh, we basically just structure it like that and we put like the due dates for each one and then <clears throat> the consequences also of not being paid on time for each one. So for example, for like the first invoice, if it's not, it's issued at contract signing, which is when they sign it, and then it's due at the same time, roughly, or by a certain date. Otherwise, the whole project can get canned. So we kind of put all those terms or in. There,
0: there are delays. Essentially, there are delays. Like, for example, if you have a certain date where everything needs to be booked for and you haven't paid any of those initial invoices to book our team then we can't move forward because things change all the time. We need to book uh, people and make sure that they're compensated properly as well. And this also is a good thing for the client because this locks people down, right? Because if someone's not paying someone to book them in for a date and they have to wait uh, a long time to, to get it, other projects come up all the time, especially when you're dealing with a lot of Freelancers. This is an industry of freelancers. There's, it's rarely the case where you go to a video production company and everyone from the PA to the director is on staff at that business. It's extremely rare. There, there are some companies only that, that operate in that model, but those are on a much larger scale. Most of the time you're dealing with a core team and then production crew is usually freelance based then on so having good transparent payment terms and being very open about it helps make it less of a taboo subject for a lot of people so you know it's just part of business there shouldn't be any issue talking about money it's a very straightforward process like yep this is when it's due let's do it let's book everybody in and let's move forward and because of this you and i never really have these issues now with clients right
1: yeah we were having issues because we were creating a problem out of it for ourselves because again we then have these terms in place and then like you mentioned it was taboo for us to talk about (laughs) money with the client but that was really because it was taboo for us not for the client client didn't really care yeah so because they have a lot of other vendors and bigger vendors don't even it's not it's not a (laughs) it's not taboo for them to say hey you got to pay by this date otherwise you don't get your your stuff right Um, actually i noticed that ever since we did add like these terms and the fact that I we do go over it with them when they're signing the contract, um, they're much quicker to pay, especially at yeah. least the first invoice. Second they're invoice also
0: understanding too. it. They also essentially will understand what those are because sometimes when things are moving really quickly, I feel like, I don't know if clients always read through every single minute detail in a contract or at least they might skim through certain things. So at least highlighting these key things is just to kind of help guide them. It's let them, just to let them know this is all important information in the contract. Make sure that's that uh, that we're all on the same page there. Sometimes, it, you know, sometimes it's sometimes they're
1: still a little delayed with that though. Yeah, so yeah I have yeah. to <laughs> send them an email saying, "Hey, yeah, we're not booked in yet. So when is the payment coming?" And then they panic and they quickly pay it off. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, the other thing is having these different payment cycles helps keep cash flow within the business and protects everyone uh, within it because this there's always everyone has these things, including their contracts from different experiences. And I remember one standout was from way back in 2014. Just when we were starting the business, we had this one project where a client um, out in I think it was Whitby, they sent us some video uh, work that they had shot, and they hired us just to simply do post production. We did a one invoice type thing, where once we have complete all the videos, they'll pay us for it. And it wasn't a lot; it was like I think we did like fourteen or fifteen videos for like fifteen hundred bucks. You know, it's early days. It was, was nine.
1: Right? It was twelve hundred, and they didn't want
0: to pay. We settled on on nine hundred. That's what it was. Yeah. Well, what happened was we did all we did all the work. We sent them the first round of revisions everything was there they're like okay this is great thank you we'll we'll start reviewing and then move forward two weeks pass by we don't hear anything and then they and then they email us saying yeah we we, we actually realize we don't really need these videos to be done anymore so we don't want to pay you and we're like sorry what <laughs> after we've done all the work Oh, yeah. And and because of that, we realize, okay, there's a lot of loopholes in our uh, in our process now If this is what's going on. So let's uh, let's protect ourselves going forward. But um, I'm sure a lot of other people in our industry have had similar situations where clients or leads decided all of a sudden, no, I don't want to pay anymore. But, you You, you know, that is a topic for another
1: day, but we can briefly touch upon. How we're kind of because how we're mitigating situations like that now as well because the thing with that situation was that it was a new client right yeah and that's the thing that always stresses me out a little bit every time there's a new lead that then becomes a client Yeah. is that oh man are they going to pay or not right am I going to have that situation where it might not go through or am I am I going to have to fight for this I I I sort of got it we've only had bad situations like that like two or three times in our whole 10-year run but it's still something i get nervous about until like we get the first uh, nine we're still we're still at nine
0: up. we we hit 10 years in september so that's that's we, we can't we can't say that celebration just round, yet, right? rounding up
1: rounding up <laughs>
0: don't round up yet because we, we got a plan for that it's gonna, be, it's gonna uh, be fun
1: so one thing we we actually we actually started implementing it this month is uh a deposit i don't know why we never thought about it but we're doing like a 30 percent deposit on the whole project, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the first invoice is essentially the deposit, and then
0: these are for new clients. Rest- just uh, keep in mind, like uh, like people yeah, that you, you don't clients. have relationships with. Uh, relationships with. Once you have built a good relationship with a client that you've worked with for a number of years, you already know what their process is like. They know what your process is like. You don't need to go that far in that situation. Like for example, we have one client that we've been working with for more than 3 4 years at this point and it's very simple we even just have gotten it down to the process of 50% at the beginning 50% at the end keeps everything streamlined and straightforward you know and everybody's happy and it's
1: yeah and i would say if it's uh, you know it, it, it's applicable if it's a new client and their company is I don't know, like maybe you haven't heard about them before. If it's like a blue chip type of company, I wouldn't be too worried. But if it's like, like one TD. where it's like, yeah, like if TD is coming, I'm not going to be too worried. But like, yeah, if it's a company, you know, they're still around and everything, but they're not as commonplace as yeah, something like a bank might be. Then, yeah, I would, I'd, I'd say putting the deposit in and it being due right away is a huge relief, you know? Yeah, and I think the easiest well, it, way to pitch it is uh, while you're going through your whole sales funnel I was just saying for new clients we have a deposit system in place so
0: just, yeah. I think just put it in there and that's it it helps set expectations uh, and allows everyone to kind of move forward but anyway I think we covered uh, the second tip pretty, pretty uh, I th- there's one more pretty, sorry there's one
1: more thing I would add in there sure thing uh, one thing you should also add in this section is that anything any amount outside of what you just stated past a certain amount you need to get written approval from the client so for example we have it set to anything above zero like we need to get approval from them we used to have fifty dollars there but then some of the other bigger clients said we have to change it to zero so i kind of left it at that but you could set it to whatever right you could say anything over a hundred dollars you need to get written approval from you so that i mean like like that is
0: Like production expenses
1: yeah so like let's say you had to get a backdrop for this and it's outside of the scope of that if it's above zero you have to get approval from them before you go ahead and purchase it right um if you leave it at 50 bucks or whatever 100 bucks then you don't need to get rid of approval and you can add it in but it's something you would need to let them know ahead of time it's like hey if we have to spend over this amount we have to get approval from him. But under that, no,
0: no matter what it is, you have to let the client know just so they know what to expect. So it's not like you're just piggybacking off of your contract, uh, terms to, to try to purchase equipment or gear that, or, or resources that may not really be necessary, but it's just to kind of, uh, help manage trust with the client. But that, that's like a, that's a whole separate uh detail there but and um, and
1: last last one for
0: that there's a lot with this one
1: (laughs) it's really just this last bit uh if there's an overdue invoice you can put a term you you should put a term in there for overdue invoices where you would charge like 20 we have it set at 22 percent per annum which means per year on Mm -hmm. every every over on the overdue date let me see what i put here uh, interest at the rate of twenty-two percent per annum will be charged on any invoices overdue from the date of receipt of the invoice by the client until paid. Again, normally you wouldn't charge it, but this is if you're dealing with a client that's been a big pain and uh, they've been skimping out. I think it's good to put it in there. This twenty-two percent is like credit card with credit card interest this, fee, basically. So,
0: yeah, this is essentially to protect yourself against the clients that are on their way out that you know that you're not going to want to work with going forward who have caused issues and challenges in this regard. It's just to kind of help yourself or to protect yourself in the worst case scenario in that sense. Obviously, none of us want to ever go through a situation like this, and we don't expect this to happen with clients. But again, this is what contracts are are there for. It's just to make sure everybody's protected.
1: Yeah, because if you ever have to go through the court system because they're not paying, then you can always... Say hey, Perfect. you know, you also have to pay uh, the uh, penalty for not paying on time.
0: Yeah. Anyways, moving on now to the next uh, point is one thing you got to make sure every contract has is a robust confidentiality clause. So, Dario, what does that necessarily entail typically?
1: It's basically the NDA. It's a non-disclosure agreement. Some people have this separately and. Sometimes a client might ask you to sign theirs um, for us we just included it in our contract and I let them know of it and it kind of simplifies the whole process. Sometimes they might even make you sign theirs even though you have it in your contract but it's just about showing the client that you're pretty much a professional and look I already included it don't worry about it uh, and it essentially covers that covers the basically lets the client know you're not going to disclose any of their personal information that's that's basically it there's a lot like it's it's a uh, it's over a page long in our contract so i'm not going to go through it but it just yeah. has like a definition of what the whole thing is like what it, what is a uh, proprietary proprietary or confidential information then uh, the agreement portion of it like what we agree to do with regards to that information that we're given and then what constitutes a breach and then just like a miscellaneous section, like we're not gonna go through it because it's it's very long, and you can find like a boilerplate version online anyhow. But it's just something good to include. You again, you don't need to include it, but it's just good to have.
0: It it's good to have it because it shows the client that you're also thinking of them in this. Not just it's not like the contract is there just to protect you. It's there to protect both parties. That's essentially what yeah. contracts are for. And you know this 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 uh, this clause also goes both ways, right? You know, for example, if you have a certain way about how you go about your process or any proprietary... I, I don't proprietary, think it... No, it
1: doesn't cover... I don't think it covers... No, the way we have it set up, it doesn't cover... You
0: know,
1: oh, oh, really? Okay. It does It only... It's really like this is... It could go worse for you, including it, but it's just meant to show the client that you're a professional. Okay. It's basically saying, I'm not going to disclose your secrets to the public or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, next, we kind of touched upon this a little bit in, as an example in one of the previous tips. But the, ne- the fourth tip is ownership and deliverables. And essentially what you need to do in this situation is discuss who, what the total amount of deliverables there will be for the project and who has the ownership of it for, for public release and things like that. Dario, do you want to go a little I, bit more in depth?
1: Yeah, like, it doesn't discuss the total amounts. It just discusses, like, what we mean by deliverables, essentially. The, uh, the, the total amount would be something you include in, like, the very first thing we talked about, which was yeah. the, like, the service description. That's where, that's where you put, like, the total amount. Yeah. When it comes to... uh uh, like video deliverables you're basically discussing what is like a deliverable and in in our case for example we differentiate between the final product and for example the raw files because sometimes the client thinks that they're in they're, they also own the, the raw files right uh, mm-hmm. but we actually put it in the contract saying that no what we mean by deliverable is the actual final video uh, unless you know in the service description like it's included that they're getting the raw files uh so we even put that there as well it's only unless uh outlined in exhibit a or whatever that uh, uh the client is also getting the raw files um and we also put in that for example they're not allowed to they're not owners of like for example the the the, the rougher fine cuts so any revision rev- like any any version that is like a, 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 a uh like a revision version they're not in they're, they don't own that so they're not allowed to post like the v2 of that video they're only allowed to post the final cut so that protects us also from them posting something that's not good you know that's not Um, up to
0: scratch yeah
1: (laughs) oh actually now that i think about it the the reason we put that in there is because let's say we did a v1 cut and then they wanted a completely different cut if they owned the V1, they would essentially get two ver- two complete different versions. It might also be like two different videos, right? So that's also to yeah. protect us from that. I, th- I think that was the reason we included, like, yeah, but we specified the- like the final cut because we have had some clients where like they wanted a complete different version, and they never really yeah. did post the the alternate one, but they could have if they wanted to, right?
0: To be honest, though, I feel like that's not. Like this shouldn't be an issue for a lot of clients because usually they only want the final version anyway. So it's a it's well none none of the
1: stuff we talk about should be a, should be some something that you actually have to like refer back to a contract and say yo like we shot we signed on this not that right yeah but again this is it's like insurance it's just there to protect you in case you need to be protected
0: yeah um with all that said let's move on now to the sixth uh the sixth. Tip, hold on hold is, on we're not
1: we're not we're not yeah, there we yet so no we're not oh there's still uh,
0: more?
1: yeah so i also put in that until we get paid it's not considered a final video deliverable so i also put it in there oh, basically yeah. that until that final payment comes in they're not allowed legally you know yeah and and last one uh it's just a promotional use each so. one is
0: the last one <laughs>
1: Well, you keep going to the next one. I'm not done The going go, through go, it go, 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 go. The promotional use bit is, is basically, I put in a term in there that says we're allowed to to display all public videos. Uh, so the full, it's only a sentence long. I'll just read it. Yeah. Um, Laps Productions reserves the right to display all final public video deliverables on its website, social media, and other means of marketing for promotional purposes without written consent of the client. So basically we get to just showcase it in our portfolio this part this section of the contract is often the one legal asks me to change if we're doing stuff with financial clients most of the time yeah
0: it's internal but
1: yeah if it's internal uh, it's usually
0: internal then that's when they do that like i've never had it where they if if they if they're a public or if they're releasing something publicly then um and that they ask us to change this because it it doesn't make sense it's all there it's like it's it's under fair honestly it's i feel like it's under like a fair fair use to post a link that is already public you know when you think about it it's yeah (laughs) Uh, but
1: surprising i still always get questions about that they always ask even though like it's like the language is very clear i'll still get them asking does this mean you'll post it uh on your web what the, would like they asked me to clarify what it means and it's like i always say yeah. just like if it's if it's private on your end it's private on our and if it's public on your end it's public on our end type of thing that's it really but that's that's often the one that when it gets sent for legal review is the one that comes back that needs to be updated because right. i i always uh when when you send the contract it's always a good the the, the first the what you, what you should always say in the email is always ask them here's a contract uh let me know what legal says so yeah. it's legal to review it because um, then they'll always come back. And actually, one cool thing about that is that you'll often uh, be able to fix up your contract by having their own legal team review it because you have like lawyers with it a get, lot of It improves experience. over time, yeah. Yeah, going <laughs> through it and then like telling you, oh, no, you got to change this to that. And obviously, it's not like they're trying to sabotage yours. They're just fixing up the language, especially if you're adding new terms. Like, like with ours, yeah. like we have updated it over the years and Again, I'm not a lawyer, so the way I write is not like a lawyer. But they, they, So they'll always edit it for me. And I'm like,
0: oh, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Okay, perfect. <laughs> perfect. And it's like, okay, now we keep it. It's like, uh, yeah, this is a little quick tip about free legal advice. You know, <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, always ask their legal department to review it and tell you if it's good to go or if they want any changes. Because, again, it always makes it seem like you're open. Like, it just avoids issues later down the line if anything does come up. But really, it's just to make sure, again... You guys are both on the same
0: page. And added bonus, they'll fix up your bad grammar. <laughs> Crossing the T's and dotting the I's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, are you all good on this on this tip? Move on to the next one? Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da,
1: da. Yeah, you're good. Okay. You're good. Yeah, we covered it, quite it. a bit.
0: So, the fifth tip is, um, is cancellation and rescheduling. And um, I feel like this has happened to every production company at one point or another because sometimes things happen where a client needs to reschedule or cancel something last minute. And honestly, like it happens. So it's not like you can expect that it won't happen no matter how tight your contract is. And sometimes there are acts of God. Like for example, if you have like a a CEO that has to come in to record something on a certain day and they're flying in from another country, their flight gets delayed or something like that or something that is really out of the control. There are you can place terms in situations where that is um, where you can reschedule for that. But the the point of this is essentially to make sure you're not lenient where a client chooses to cancel for just the sake of canceling at the at the last second. Right. Like, do you want to go a little bit more in depth on that, Dario?
1: Yeah, like this is a problem we we've dealt with a lot in the past and even I mean, still to this day, like sometimes our projects get postponed and whatnot. Uh, the approach we've taken to this um, before we get into the nitty gritty of the contract details is if it's a good client, like the first time we'll let it slide and we'll kind of say like, OK, this time we'll we'll make an exception. But if it happens a second time, we're going to start adding a penalty to it. And we have made a recent client aware that we are we would have to add a not really it's not really a penalty. It's more of like I can't I, I got to pay the, the freelancer something or, or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like.
0: Yeah. Cause you've booked, you, we were essentially booking the crew and the team for that day. So they've had to turn away work. We've had to turn away work for that day because of that case. And then if the client cancels at the last second, without the chance for anyone to actually be able to potentially find other work, everyone's losing out, you know, um, for faults that are not their own, right? So everyone needs to be compensated. At least this is, uh, to be clear, this is on the production side of things. This doesn't mean that, like, say if a, ca- if a shoot is canceled or rescheduled, that the entire invoice or the entire project has to be paid for. It's more so specifically the production costs on that day specifically.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. only the, again, cause it's usually, a, well, it's related to a shoot anyways, a shoot date, right? um the the time limit we put on it is that they need to give us at least 72 hours we used to have 24 hours i don't know why we put it at 24 because that's like the day before that's the day before (laughs) because i think what happened is we didn't have that and then we had some clients canceled the day of early on remember this was early on it happened a couple of times and they were canceling the day of and then we were getting we got annoyed with that so we put 24 hours and then I think just last year we're like why are we doing I I put a week and then I was getting pushback from some clients when legal was reviewing it so I put 72
3: hours
0: (laughs) I mean to be honest you can hold firm on your on your approach depending on what you want like they can make suggestion legal can make suggestions too but on situations like this, you have to also find what works for you and your business and your processes. If 72 hours is enough time, go for it. If you need a week, then, then that's another thing. You, you might get pushback. Also... I was getting,
1: I was getting pushback from legal on, on the week.
0: It's interesting. Maybe if it's like, um, yeah, I guess it, I guess it depends. I, I <laughs> think legal, we,
1: I legal, think we legal wants seven... to make it easier. I think it was some some legal departments were giving me, uh, were giving were, were giving me pushback, and then I also was thinking about the fact that on average a video is going to be about the whole video process is going to be under a month, right? So like mm-hmm. a week notice sometimes is too sh- is too long, because like let's say on average like it's about a week of pre production. What if it was five shoot. business days? Did. I don't think it would make it. Th- it's too tech. Uh, I think seventy-two is fine. Yeah, I, there was I'm a reason. It like was it because depends. like on. There was a reason. It was because again pushback, and then on average it shouldn't. You don't. We don't have that much time for most of the projects anyway. So it would be like, early on in pre-production they would have to do the, the uh, rescheduling. But usually a rescheduling happens, j- you know, the week of production, right? It's very close to the production yeah. date. Something comes up.
0: Yeah yeah i I guess it varies. And I think if you're doing bigger projects too, I think that's where this might also this might also vary. You know, like I think the seventy two hours is a good standard for straightforward corporate video content because um, there's more flexibility and things like that. But then if it's like much larger campaigns or projects where it's harder to reschedule and move things like that, then maybe there could be something longer, like a week or two weeks, depending on, depending on what kind of work or projects you're doing. Yeah, but again, yeah. it, it, it really depends. This is just our simple uh, standard approach for, like say if you we were to work on a corporate finance video or something like
1: that. Yeah, if you were working on a much bigger like commercial level project and they wanna reschedule, like let's say it's 50K and up type of production. Yeah. I would put I would put at least a
0: week. The other thing is people are flying in sometimes for projects, you know? Like like for example, like when I did that shoot for one of our clients last year where I had to fly out to Seattle and to uh and to North Carolina. Imagine if 24 hours before the shoot I'm at the airport, it's like, "Oh, yeah, shoot is canceled." It's like, "Okay, all the tickets have been booked, all the time has been booked off, you know, and then it's like that screws up a lot of other aspects of the shoot right there should Um, there should probably be
1: something in your contract with your freelancers as well that's that's uh that has the same number in there as well right so if you're making them sign your contract they should probably say if it's like a rescheduling clause in there as well that matches the one in this contract because i'm just thinking about it again um, the one we have here is kind of hefty and from most of our projects is fine. If we reschedule at least once, uh, it won't cost us a lot, but let's say like we have a project where again, it's like a commercial and it's like 50 K and up just in production costs and 72 yeah. hours before they let you know. And you have like, let's say for example, actors flying in, like you, you'd still have to compensate those You're people. Still screwed, so you would yeah. be, you'd be under on the production. So I would change that to probably a week or longer if we have a bigger project like that. And then we also have terms in there saying like if they break that, they owe the whole production cost and we can't book in another date until that's paid. Yeah, because think about it. You might be under if you have to do if you can't if you have to pay everyone that was involved. Let's say something at least 70 percent because that's in what their contract that that's in their contract or whatever whatever then you would you'd be under on the project so i would like again you should put terms in there that really protect you right yeah. just in case because yeah. again if it's a smaller project whatever but if it's like a bigger one that's what will probably scare me the most is that ooh yeah. i might go under because of this
0: especially when you have more and more people uh involved that are important for the project if you have like you said if you have to hire talent um, whether they're flying in or not, like it's it's hard to organize things like that as well to find people who are available because you might book that particular talent because they were right for the, for, the, for the project, but they're only available that day. And then you cancel and then they're not available for the next two, three weeks. Then what? What are you doing for your project? Then your project gets delayed at that point too, right? So this yeah. is a way to also help protect your client to make sure that everything is in place to be there for the shoot but again you figure it you're out your own situation what sorry
1: sorry go ahead go ahead figure out your own situation
0: yeah i was just saying like like um just determine what's right for your situation right what's right for that specific project every project is different you know weigh in what you think is going to what kind of workload or resources are going to be needed for that project and then just adjust the details in your contract accordingly well we're again what we're just suggesting is like a good baseline to start with
1: yeah and you touched on like uh like the timeline gets extended and, and you're no longer available there's three three uh three uh three timeline extension parts that we have in our contracts and the first one is just like a regular timeline extension yeah. um the second one is like timeline extensions resulting in crew unavailability and then the third one is timeline extensions resulting in last productions unavailability um those are good ones to have as well because the first one just really deals with what, what happens if the timeline gets extended um so for example here what i have is Uh, if it gets canceled uh, less than 72 hours and they don't get a refund, just kind of clarifies like the the details of that extension. Uh, The one resulting in crew unavailability. So if a crew member was specific to that project and they're no longer available, they can't just say like, oh no, we still need to do it on this date with that person. Let's say for example... I don't know. Like, let's say, what do I have here? Like, let me. I I, I <laughs> I've really gone through these since I put them in the contract, but uh, uh, additional cost th- of there.
0: I think you touched th- upon. Oh it oh
1: no you- no no! The key thing is, uh, the fee will be subject to variances depending on the new freelancer slash crew member that takes on the project. Oh, uh, right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so, like, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. put that we don't guarantee the same rate as the previous individual, nor that the rate will be discounted based on the work already completed. Yeah, this was uh, this was mainly because of editors. So Kirill, do you wanna to touch yeah. on that?
0: Yeah, so like for example, like a lot of production companies, we hire and source out other talent, not just for production side of things, but also on the post-production. And editors all have their own different processes. That That's actually a big one that can very much factor um in the costs as well some have different day rates some uh work very differently compared to other ones so this is a me this essentially helps us cover our basis if we need to adjust the entire process so for example if we were planning to do it with one editor whose process was to get it done within a certain timeline or in a certain type of review process um that's what we had planned for but if it was cancelled and they're not available we have to work with a new editor or a different editor who works a little bit differently so um like obviously laps has a a certain level of standard of production quality and bio that we go through but a lot of the time we still have to adapt to how other people also work right and that is what essentially this clause helps kind of cover our bases on when that happens
1: yeah uh, we mainly added it because of editors but i guess it's also applicable to other crew members as well. I would say more so like for cinematographers, not so much like makeup, audio, grip, or gaff because those prices are kind of standardized. I think the cinematographer one is the one that has like more of a variance. Obviously, you should always be adding your, your juice on top of whatever the rate is. But let's say, I don't know, for some reason, most of the cinematographers you need for that day uh, most of most the cinematographers that you know for that day are busy and you have to go you know one level up above your uh your regular rate, then it kind of protects you on that end as well um uh, yeah for the the part resulting in our unavailability uh what I put in there is basically uh, we'll have to compensate oh okay, so basically essentially if we're no longer available for the project then they have to compensate us for all the work done until then, and we're not we're not on the hook for not finishing the project if we're no longer able to do it based on the timeline requirements they have. That's what yeah. that clause is there for.
0: Essentially, this what this covers is, for example, if you've <clears throat> determined a timeline with a client on when certain deadlines and uh, are going to be there for deliverables. But you also outline, for example, when we send you a draft, we need the we need the notes within 24 to 48 hours because that'll keep us on track. And then if we send a if we send a draft, and it takes, and it takes uh, uh how long? Like say a week for us to get the notes, that delays the entire project by a week, not at our fault, but because the client needed more time to look into it, right? So this is what you would have to d- uh, discuss also with your client. At the beginning of the project, it's like, hey, the way we work, when we send over a draft, we need notes within 48 hours. Is that enough time for you to be able to review everything? And if they say, this is where they can say, no, like we like we need maybe at least three, four days because we have to look at it, then send it over to so-and-so. They have to look at it. Then we have to discuss and confirm. It's like, okay. Then from there, you can determine, all right, say you need an extra week between each draft, then you can give an alternate timeline based on that. So this is where you determine a lot of these things early on in the in the project discussion, but essentially I, I, if I it takes longer, if it takes longer say, to get notes, then yeah. Yeah. It,
1: I I would say the reason we put that in is we is and the if if you're referring to that one it it's wouldn't one, be because That's one. Yeah, not if it's like a week delayed, it's more like it's been like 3 months and it's like you're still on like waiting to get feedback on like the rough cut type of stuff, type of situation. It's more like for those type of situations.
0: These are outliers. The ones that you're talking about, I'm talking about the more common ones of why certain projects can get delayed here and there. I guess this is not so much about our unavailability about, but this can also outline why projects can get longer. What you're also talking about is those outliers where we've given, we've done the work with the client and then all of a sudden, uh, we, we, we've asked them we're the last ones to have emailed them and, and asked them it's like hey send us the notes here's the video you can comment on Frame.io and, and let us know your feedback and then they just for like two three months just completely disappear on us and then maybe after that they're like oh uh, we, I guess we didn't finish this project uh, let's uh, move forward right it's like, like, like look we're not yeah, at the end of guess... the day, we're not there to chase our clients right like yeah. some people will say like oh why don't you just send follow-up emails and we've done that in the past we do that we've done we do that and we have done that in the past and a lot of the time it's clients themselves get busy right so we're not going to send an email every single week right
1: the, the reason we added that was because of those type of projects but not like reading it out loud i think it's just meant to protect you from let's say the production date gets moved into you know a day where you and I would both be unavailable and the client specifically wants like a producer from, or like a producer from LAPS needs to be there type of situation. Yeah. Then I would say that's like a get out of that situation free card. Uh, But the reason we put it in was because like in the post, on the post side, we were having some issues where like it was getting delayed by months or like they would just like, it would just disappear on us. Uh, But I guess this is also good for, let's say they paid the deposit. I guess it's more so on the post actually, because uh, if it's production it's a lot of related, the, time on the post, uh, the post, yeah, because on yep. yeah,
0: it's all about it's because every end. client it varies in terms of how long uh, it takes them to review videos. Sometimes, like for example, we've had guests on the podcast in the past who have talked about their specific like one to two month process period where they're very strict on the twenty four to forty eight hour uh, feedback timeline, and if they don't get that then it's out of their hands at that point. You know, it's like, okay, it's going to take a week. Whereas like you could have gotten two or three drafts done within like say one to two weeks. If each draft took at least a week uh, to get feedback from, then you also need time to edit it. So that gets extended even further. So two weeks turns into six weeks, you know, and that's what this essentially mostly will protect for. And, and that's where I see this one's value most of the time. Those other ones you were talking about, the outliers, those, there's a reason they're called outliers. It doesn't happen all the time, uh, but it does happen still at the end of the day. I, so. I
1: think also, it, I said it might not be applicable to production, but I think it actually is because let's say they need it is, it is the to... final video done by a certain date, but they, they uh, I don't know, they, they only have a week of availability availability for the production uh, after rescheduling it, and we're shooting that whole week and we can't do it, then I guess, yeah, it would it would protect you in terms of like, hey, you paid the project management fee or deposit plus the pre-production, and we have done that stuff, but we can no longer do this project. I guess any other, if you didn't have that in, you might be liable to at least give a portion of the the pre-production, whatever, back. But in this case, you're basically saying, no, what you guys have paid so far is I can't give that back. Yep. So it does protect this you is- on that end.
0: This is also in relation to uh, to things that happen, that change as the project goes, right? There are also situations like, uh, like one of our current clients that book us in every year for certain timelines for rush edits, right? So, for example, if their availability is, say, for example, on... Um, is on, like a, is on like a Tuesday and they would need the video by the Friday or the Saturday, you can plan for that, right? You can plan for that. You, 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 um, you build it into the cost as well for that rush edit, booking off the editor's time, our time and the, and the preparation time for that, then that's fine. But that's why you need preparation. So you know how to go about that. If we schedule a shoot day for one day and the final deadline is two weeks out from that, right. And it's a hard deadline but then the client reschedules that shoot day to a week before that deadline. We haven't been able to plan for that, right? And that's where the situation can get very tricky because people haven't been booked off like that, you know, like uh, to be able to adjust to that and and things change, right? So it's, it, this, it's, it's tricky in those situations.
1: This ties into the... Uh, there's a, a section in here that is not is related but it's not in this part of the contract and that's the revision process so i actually include our revision process into the contract but i put it right after the service description section i literally just put like a line and then below that it's just yep. revision process right and over there uh i basically go through like how much a minor revision costs a major revision costs and then what this step-by-step is so like you get a rough cut then a fine cut, then the final, and then I detail. I go into detail about what each one is. And uh, another thing we put in there is the feedback part. It's how much time we need for feedback, and then how much time it takes us to work based on that feedback, and then the consequences of not following those those timelines. So you should put that yeah. in there just to cover yourself uh because you never know again like it's easier to have them sign off on this stuff because then they can't say you never told us cuz in the contract yeah. you sign the contract you're aware of everything
0: yeah and essentially you're highlighting what potential challenges can always arise in a project and we're outlining how we mitigate those challenges so that they can expect that there won't be any hiccups going forward because we have already addressed any potential possible challenges or issues that could come during a project and we know how to work around that. So that's actually a benefit to the client as well right there. Um anyways, I think I think we've covered this pretty well at this point. Is there any last notes on this point or you, I think
1: no that no that's it. We can move on to the next one.
0: Yeah. So the sixth one is indemnity and liability. So they give a little bit of a breakdown of what that uh, what that entails it's
1: very very straightforward all you're basically saying in this section it's literally like two sentences all you're saying is basically that you're going to hold each other uh, uh, you're going to basically not not go after each other Uh, and if you do the most you can go after each other is the total cost of the project that's it so Kirill if you want you could just read it out so they they understand it it's just uh, this section here
0: Yeah. So here's our example. So each party shall indemnify and hold harmless the other party from any from and against all loss, liability, costs, charges, claims and damages relating to or arising from a breach of such party's representation, warranty or agreement or agreement contained in this agreement. Keep in mind, like these are our contract terms. We're not we're Dario and I are not lawyers, so we're not this is not like legal advice necessarily in terms of like this is an example
1: of what we, yeah, it's an example yeah. of what we have in ours.
0: This is what we have in ours. We're not telling you that this is exactly what you need to do when you're creating your contracts, um, get it reviewed by a lawyer. Make sure that you have all your, um, all your, um, all your details clarified with a professional, you know, like th- like we've done it ourselves and we're just sharing what works for us by all means, bring up these points to a lawyer on whether you should include it for yours, and then they'll they will advise you on what's best for you. So that's just a little. Uh not legal advice you... yeah yeah what, what is that called like I am the, not the a release? lawyer like uh, the, the, the release form or something I, I forget yeah. what it's called see this is why we're not lawyers <laughs> this is why this, yeah no, I know I can't even I can't even I can't even remember what the protection <laughs> term is it's, like... it's called a
1: disclaimer I am not a lawyer
0: this is when if, this is where we lost the rest of the people that were listening to the podcast at this point like, oh, these guys are these guys are frauds at this point <laughs> <laughs> these guys are hacks <laughs> yeah, anyway, so there's that one. And then finally, our last one is non-solicitation clarity. No, no, no. And Tell
1: them read out the last bit. Read out
0: the last oh, bit. Oh right. So yeah, I didn't I didn't read out the last said bit. So each party, went. and this is the part following
1: mm-hmm. that. So notwithstanding
0: yeah. Notwithstanding anything to the contrary contained herein the maximum liability of any party hereunder shall be the fee paid for services rendered by lapse productions pursuant to this agreement it keeps everything contained within the confines of this particular project that's essentially what it does
1: that that's the funny part about that is that that section confuses the hell out of me because the part before basically says you're going to hold the other person harmless if something goes wrong but then the section following right the the next sentence is basically like if you are going to sue, the most you can sue is for the fee paid. So you're like, but you just said you're going to hold the other party harm. This is why I'm not a lawyer. Why do we have have this?
0: Why do we have this in here? What, what lawyers said said that we needed this? Well, the
1: original lawyers that did our contract put it in there and then, uh, like, everyone else is fine with it. Like, i don't know like no so one when has we said a- no <laughs> <laughs> no so here's the thing no well, this is how we got our contract done so when we- carol and i started back in 2014 uh we were st- we were in our last year of uni so i knew of the oh no
0: we just finished something like that no no we were and, still uh, in uni but we were getting close to the end
1: so so i i was uh it's funny i was part of the business law program at, at ryerson and uh even though like i st- i kind of don't understand law now. i understand a little bit anyways, this is why uh, he went
0: into video he was not hacked out to be a lawyer <laughs> it's just too
1: much reading man too many essays i never figured out how to write essays properly uh they uh anyways they had this thing called the the law clinic whatever right in the, in our last year you basically got a you got assigned a company and you did legal documents for them with the help of one of the bay street law firms i forget which one i think it was miller thompson so basically, when we started our business, I was like, "Oh, we're, I'm signing us up for that because we can get our legal documents done, like a Bay Street firm. I think it was Miller Thompson. So yeah, yeah. we got them to work on our contract. So they they're not stupid. They're like one of the they're like one of the top five in Canada. So if they put you know it what? in." I'm sure there was a reason why they put it into our contract. (laughs)
0: You know what? This made me realize uh, something. So another fun fact, Daria went for business and law and I went to to Ryerson for marketing. So we also had a marketing clinic as well, but it wasn't a clinic. It was a marketing uh, capstone thing. So the law one was very useful for us because it got us started with a baseline for our contracts. But now I realize, yeah, it's true. We actually had a real firm doing the work, just overviewing the work of the students. Whereas the marketing clinic was just literally having students do a marketing plan for us with no experience (laughs) or anything like that. And I was always wondering, like, why was that marketing plan that was presented to us not that great? It actually taught us what not to do rather (laughs) than what to do. (laughs) It's funny. I remember when they were presenting it
1: to us. I remember looking at them and going, they didn't do the work. How do I know? Because when I don't do work, I present like that. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite?
0: Yeah, I (laughs) know. You know, it's funny because I was also in that class too, right? So I was a client and also a student, but I didn't do it on my own company. I did it on another business. So I saw what that... You should have done it on your
1: own company. I would have helped this out more.
0: (sighs) No, it would have been... uh, How do you say... Um, no, that, that it's a conflict, right? But what it taught me was like, okay, so now I know what not to do here. And then I took that learning, and then I applied it to our act to my group's project. and we ended up getting a ninety. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so and that's that. That's how we got our contracts uh, through a legal clinic as a starting point. So if you know people, actually, that's a good uh, suggestion for any any production company starting out. Reach out to your university or any. Uh, university that is looking for businesses to to do legal practice work for then that's that could potentially if they offer start if they offer if they offer it yeah yeah so ryerson is one that offers it so it's no longer called ryerson yeah sorry toronto met or whatever (laughs) we don't we don't go to the met okay (laughs) anyways uh, final final tip uh for our contracts is uh non-solicitation clarity so take it away erin Hey, take it away, honey. It's
1: uh, a second last one. There's a bonus one. If you made it this yeah, far, yeah. there is a bonus one. Believe it or not. Uh, non-solicitation. So, uh, funny story about this. I couldn't figure out this word. I couldn't figure out what the correct term. Like this was the word I was looking for, non-solicitation. But I could. I didn't know. I I couldn't figure out. I'm like, it's a word. It's not this one. but it's that? Uh, and this is why asking their legal department to review it is helpful because they then told me to, to change it to non-solicitation. I put something so stupid. Um, <laughs> like I forget it was, it's so dumb. I can find it. Uh, but what was it It was like no talking to the crew. <laughs> no, it was like, it was really stupid. I remember going like, it's not the, it was like the slang for not solicitation. It was, a. Uh,
2: None if you want to if you want to cut <laughs> if you want to
1: cut this out of the actual podcast, we, I can go look for it. But it was like the slang word for that. Uh, oh, I forget. I, I don't remember. Fun, but it was fun. like it was the slang version for it. I was like, I can't figure it out. It's got to be this. <laughs> but uh, you, right. they they then told me, no, you got to change it to this, and I'm like, oh, that was the word I was looking for. So uh, what is basic in,
0: What does it entail? Basically, exactly,
1: in, yeah. Non solicitation of crew members or employees is basically they can't go and hire your freelancers or, you know, employees behind your back. Cause yeah. I'm sure it's happened where your freelancer hits you up. It's like, yo, your client asked me to shoot this for them. What should I tell them? Right? Like or it's happened to all of us don't. at least.
0: Or sometimes or s- they don't even reach out and that's when relationships break down too.
1: But the thing is if they like, again, this is just in there to like, if you got one of those, you know, clients that you really don't like and you're like listen i'm prepared to go to war with this guy uh but for us personally we've never had a situation where the freelancer didn't tell us or they might have not told us but we would have noticed it right um but we have had situations where a very few amount of clients have tried to reach out to the to the freelancer and the freelancers are like yo what what's going on and then where it was I, like i know we've told the freelancers like oh okay that's good to know um i get i don't want them as a client anymore if they're doing that so if you want to go ahead that's what we've done because yeah. it's kind of weird if they if they're going to go and do that you're kind of like okay i thought i thought we had a thing but if you just want the cheapest thing then like, go for it but i'm not hey, going next is, time you come here fun- i'm going to charge you a lot more as punishment
0: yeah the funny thing is that this is more common than people realize cuz like we also collaborate with a lot of other uh, production companies, people specifically that have been guests on the podcast as well, and we've helped execute projects for them in Toronto for their own clients, and then we've had randomly emails where people uh, send us, it's like, hey, like we worked with you on this, can you quote us for this? And then I'm like, wait a minute, Dario, wasn't this their client? And then and Dario's like, yeah. So we called them and let them know, it's like, hey man, what the hell is going on? Like, and then even their <laughs> surprise is like, they're like, what he went to you man these guys are cheap (laughs) yeah 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 they are expecting something cheap so we give them an expensive quote to make them realize how dumb that decision was (laughs) and usually with that situation
1: we always say like what do you want us to do like because it's your it's your client and the like we always say like listen go talk to we we did it through that client like we did it through that production company so go talk to them first
0: yeah, go talk to them. It's like like this isn't what we do. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's almost like go them.
1: get the go get the blessing from them to come work with us because like
0: we don't want to get in the way. Like, if they're we make, not we make happy, we make them talk. We make them talk to talk to the boss, not the boss. We make them talk. No, what is it? What is the, the, the phrase? it's go, go get the for. blessing
1: because okay. it's like I don't want to step over. Any, I like this is all a, an industry of
0: like connections. We make them I'm we not make burning them a the The situation we make them uh confront the situation and hold them accountable to it. it's like it's like it's like listen you're trying to go behind their back go tell them how you were trying to do that <laughs> yeah it's
1: just awkward man it's like i don't because it's like look if you're doing that to them you're gonna do it to me so even for us it's like why would i want to take you on as a client that i would really care for and build a long-term relationship for when you're just gonna leave me and go to someone else like i like it's gonna be they belong, those to, the <laughs> <laughs> those clients, they belong to the streets those clients they belong to the streets the thing i hate is that it just makes everything so awkward you know like just go talk yeah. to them and then if they say go talk to us then okay whatever but if it's like if you just come to us yeah. I, I put that in there because we were doing a project for um for a friend of the guest for, for a friend of the show and uh we were hired just as as crew right yeah and i saw during the shoot that the the marketer was grabbing all the freelancers contact information
0: <laughs>
1: and I, as i mentioned i'm like yo your client's about to leave you he's like that's he's like, what wild. happened i'm like yeah. i was like they're grabbing they grabbed everyone's contact information i was like don't don't uh don't expect more. like these guys will drop you any second
0: did they end up dropping them
1: I still do work with them. But, well, I don't know how much work they're still doing with them. Maybe for bigger projects, they bring them on. But it's so, like, sketchy because it's, like, we go through the effort of finding talented people for the project. Then, like, kind of, like, steal our knowledge. And then just to steal those people is so weird. It's but like, even for the freelancer, like, we have had it where it's, like, they just say, look, just talk to Kirill and Dario.
0: Yeah. Because it's a form weird, head hunting when they, almost.
1: <laughs> yeah, like it's kind of, it's kind of like it's not cool when clients do it, and if they do it, then, again, I wouldn't go after them legally, um, unless you wanted to. But it's more so, just to protect yourself. But it's a, it's a great way to spot red flags in clients because if they do yeah, that, then it, you already know where you stand with them.
0: Yeah, it's a good way to kind of. Uh... Determine what the client or the leads character is at that point, it's a way of uh, filtering out people that you don't really want to work with. It's like, or if in in this situation, it's like, okay, so you're just looking for a one off. So you're like, I'm not going to waste my time with this because look the whole point of like why we're also trying to find clients is not to do one-off projects. Like we wanna try to build a relationship so that there's more consistent business coming in. Because there's that classic saying where it costs 10 times more to sign a new client than to serve an existing client, right? Because the amount of time and effort it takes to, to bring in a new client is very different than working with the same one year over year. Because if you're working with the same client year over year, You don't have to explain your process to them. You don't have to explain your contracts to them. You don't have to explain the scope as much. You already understand what is needed and you guys can just kind of move through it, right? New client, you have to do meeting after meeting, call after call sometimes to really drive the point home as well, right? Like we've had that where like some new clients have come in and you'd have to have like maybe three calls, four calls over the course of a few months before they're finally ready to actually move forward with a project. And then you put in all that time and effort but now you have a consistent client so then it was worth it right but why would you go through that entire process if you know that they're going to drop you like a hot potato just for a quick buck right yeah so anyway so those are our seven main tips but we have as dario mentioned another bonus one for you and which is expiration And do you want to elaborate a little (laughs) bit more on that? (laughs) Basically, it's uh, the best before date, like higher laps before it (laughs) expires. I I think we've kind of touched on it briefly in in other points, but basically
1: it just states, uh, again, like if it's been too long, like if if the client like stopped communicating with you for a period of, uh, I think I put six months in here then the project is considered closed.
0: Yeah, because a lot of the time, like things change for clients on their end marketing wise, right? So they might be working on a project and then they might realize like, oh, you know, like our goals have changed. Let's just move on to something else. And then whatever at that point, that just basically shows that there is an actual expiration date for any kind of project. But we've already kind of explained this in depth with examples in previous Points, but uh. Yeah,
1: basically basically, just, you know, if it's been a while and you, you've <clears throat> tried to communicate to the client and they still haven't gone back to you and it's been, again, here I have six months, you could do something else. Actually, I might change that to something shorter. <clears throat> um, then you can just say that uh, the project is considered finished even though it might not be fully finished and no refunds will be issued for whatever work is still not completed. Um, so, for example, if... The client already paid you the full amount let's say ten thousand uh you've done six thousand of that work uh the remaining amount is just in the post but they just won't give you feedback won't won't let you know what's going on or what they want then you could just close it off at that point it's just a yeah. way to just like again and if they want to restart then you have to issue a complete new contract that's how we have it set up yeah very straightforward
0: yep i think uh i think that. Pretty much covers everything. Those are our seven plus one plus two tips on, uh, on
1: what oh, to oh, include Carol, Carol, in there. Your... Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, I put abandoned. I said abandoned. But another term you, you should include is also delaying. If they keep consistently delaying the project, then that still counts as part of but this what does uh, de- clause. But
0: then you'd have to define delaying, right? Like So delaying can't mean, for example, they're trying to still determine some creative elements for the project. So I Project's have delayed. I, I, so what that's I, on what a, I
1: what I put here the, is three different it. options. So I did like if this happens, blah, 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 blah. There's a paragraph of stuff. And then I put or this or this other paragraph. Right. So <coughs> for that is if the client uh, one of them is, for example, if the client has continually delayed or abandoned advancing the project for a period of six months yeah. After the signing of this contract. Uh, so you, like I think I put like for this, uh, for this option, like the deposits won't be refunded or whatnot. So it could mm-hmm. be something as simple as they keep delaying the production date. So yeah. let's say we risk the, the paid uh, project management fee and the pre-production. And they keep pushing the production by like a month, by a month, by another month, by another month. Let's say you're like, listen, I'm tired of dealing with this client. I don't want to no. have to pay back the pre-production. This is just like a get-out-of-free card. It's like, look, we, it's been over six months since we signed this contract. This contract is now null and void. We can't give it back that, so we have to sign a completely new project, new contract, right? Because sometimes yeah. they might just be wasting your time, right? So it, it protects you with, like, again, all the three stages. Pre-production, let's say they gave you a deposit, right? They this keep is why the you have again.
0: deposits. This is why you have yeah. deposits, so that it, it holds your clients accountable to 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 move to see the project through, right? It's a motivator for that because yeah, like imagine if you don't do deposits with a new client and like you have your invoices sent out later because you have your payment terms, then it's like all of a sudden like, oh, yeah, we're done. We don't want to do this anymore. And you have no money in your account as a result of that. And all that time and effort you spend onboarding them, doing pre-production prep work and all that kind of stuff then just goes out the window at that point. That's what deposits are there for following through.
1: So what I have there, I just quickly read it, excuse me, uh, is basically if, um, the client has paid the deposit and no pre-production work has begun, then this, uh, the next one is like, if the client has paid blah, blah, blah. And the pre-production work has begun then this. And then the one, the other one is if like, you can just include it for each stage of your process. Uh, so often, with contracts, it's better to be broad than define, than really define your stuff. But for stuff like this, it's probably better to just stipulate yeah. exact uh, situations. Because again, like if you ever have to go to court for this stuff, if you have different situations, one of them is going to be applicable, right? Yeah.
0: So and then it just makes everything straightforward. Ar- and,
1: and yeah, like uh, again, those if legal it's proceedings all this-
0: won't take a while, as a result. I
1: mean, th- they'll probably take a while, but uh, it's more so as about having all the options available uh, to cover all your bases, right? So then it's less open to interpretation, you know?
0: Yeah. But anyway, like the whole point is these are all there set in place to help protect you and your client. You never want to have to go back to them with the client. That's not the whole point of having these. You want to build good relationships and you should always be striving to do that and, and maintain a level of professionalism uh, between yourself and the client in that relationship and as long as you go by that mantra then you're going to you're going to do great work with great people and that's essentially the goal.
1: Yeah, and my my only uh, note to, <clears throat> note to end this off is basically again, have their legal review it. If they come back with you with changes that you don't want to do, you don't have to include them. Just remember that. Like you can always yeah. push back on, on on their notes as well. So don't just uh and over backwards for whatever their legal team wants because sometimes it might not be in your best favor you just have to usually, make a judgment
0: call usually it's not in your best interest it's usually in the client's it, best interest surpri- surprisingly
1: enough it, it, surprise like every time we've had to make a change uh from their legal team it's always been fine like it, it, i think they're yeah. actually not allowed to or i think that like if it ever goes to like a court the judge would probably not look favorably if it's something that was in their best. I don't know. I'm just talking out my, you know.
0: But Yeah, we're uh, not lawyers, guys. Uh, Dario, Dario took a to the moment of pretending to be a lawyer, you know. You watched yeah, a like too much Suits back in university, you know. <laughs> I think it's
1: because, like, every time, like, we've had notes come back, it's usually from, like, a, you know, blue chip client, and, like, their yeah. notes are nothing nefarious. I think maybe if you deal with some smaller client, like, small to medium business, you might i think maybe small business you might have to keep your eyes open Dara, Usually this, blue is, chip this is this companies the we haven't noticed anything
0: Dara, this is the easiest thing to just recommend if a client's legal team comes back with a suggestion or a change have your own lawyer review it and make sure it's all good that way you have peace of mind that's it just have another lawyer sure. take a look you could also
1: compare. you could also probably just ask chat gpt it's like i don't understand like if it's confused it's like what does this mean actually you know one cool thing you can do is you could save your contract as a pdf uh and then say hey this is my contract feed it to chat and then say this is the term this is the section they want to change they want to change it to this would this be in my benefit or not what does it really mean that's another thing you could do too i wonder if there are AI that. lawyer
0: <laughs> i wonder if there are ai lawyer systems already in place i feel like I dude mean, my I my buddy like was that. just
1: finishing listen my buddy was just finishing up his law school and he said he was just using ChatGPT to like understand and interpret a, a ton of them, a ton of a ton of his readings. Oh, just
0: for him to understand the stuff and just have it explained to him in a good well, way. That's cool. Well,
1: the thing is, he said they would have, make him read like over a hundred pages a day or something. So he's like, I, he was having a hard time just getting through the work, right? So would, he would feed it to Chat and have <laughs> it like interpret it for him and make notes and everything. I don't. It's not a good thing when you think about it, you know. I mean, if i i listen i'm just saying lawyers are gonna if get it's a supplementary thing
0: sure if it's a supplementary thing sure but if you're not actually when you're in law imagine if like you had a doctor or a surgeon that went through medical school through ChatGPT. gpt you know i don't think you'd want him under the night <laughs> you i don't think you want to be under his knife i think
1: all those professions are on the way out anyways i mean do you really Surgeons trust are not on the way out dario <laughs> Buddy, what are you talking about? They're starting to do like remote surgeries now, which means like pretty soon they could probably just have an AI do it. Five to ten years—it's not out of the equation.
0: Maybe, maybe, but you anyway, know they, that, they've that's, already—that's all done stuff studi- for another episode.
1: <laughs> Look, they've done studies where uh, ChatGPT gives better medical uh, and, uh, uh, and, uh, advice. Th- they're, uh, not advice—they're able to diagnosis. Th- uh diagnosed better than doctors which i'm not surprised mm. like how can you trust someone that hasn't slept in like two days <laughs> have you That's ever worked true. like 12 hours straight you're like you can't even think properly those guys are doing surgeries, so i mean <laughs> i would probably trust an ai over a doctor in the
0: future Fair enough to that point. But anyway, we're, we're digressing from, uh, from this episode. But anyways, those are our seven plus one or two tips for the contracts. Um, let us know if there are any interesting points that you or tips that you have done for your contracts and maybe we'll get a lawyer to review and see if it's worth it for us to put in ours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, comment them down
1: below. Maybe we might incorporate it into our next contract.
0: Yeah, and if you guys have any ideas for potential topics that you want us to do some research on and kind of discuss in future cgc episodes also let us know and we're always open to that and uh thanks for thanks for watching oh
1: and before you go we do have a blog post for this episode so if you want to see the exact uh clauses that we use on our contracts i did put screenshots up under each point so you want to know, go check out the blog post. It'll be linked
0: somewhere here in the description. So, yeah. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Take care and see you in the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Creatives Grab Coffee. Please make sure to follow and engage with us on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, YouTube, and your favorite podcast app. Creatives Grab Coffee is created by Laps Productions,
1: a video production company based in Toronto, Canada. Creatives Grab Coffee is also
2: sponsored by... My name is Mehran. Welcome to Canada Film Equipment. We are a boutique rental house based in Toronto. We are here to help you guys out with all production sizes. Feel free to contact us to get a quote if you are a production house and you're looking for lighting, camera packages, or lighting and group band packages. You can see our contact information in the link below. We are more than happy to help you guys out. Make sure you follow and subscribe to creativescrapcoffee.com. Thank you.
3: Hey, what's up everybody? I'm Matt, welcome to Audio Process. We are a boutique audio company doing location sound, sound design, post sound, ADR, Foley. We service equipment, we do all your audio needs here in Toronto. We got you covered, come on down, audioprocess.ca. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and all of the other internet things to creativesgrabcoffee.com. They'll be waiting for you, I'll be waiting for you, and we're all gonna have a real good time.
1: Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next one.